Hey, good day, everybody, and welcome back to Setting Stages with Eddie Mack. I'm your host, Eddie Macaranis, and I'm a former dancer who started a podcast that talks to people about their unconventional path, whether that means it's their career, their business, or their health. I want to talk to them. I want to dig deep and pick their brain to learn about what it takes to get to a very uncommon place in their life of success, um, recovery, whatever the case might be. I want to learn about them and share their stories with you. If you are looking for motivation, inspiration, or, or a better understanding of what it takes to actually get through the tough times to experience the good, this is the show for you. And I'm talking to people that are right in the thick of it, right in the middle of their way of setting the stage for their success. So I welcome you if this is your first time listening Awesome. I appreciate your time. If this is your if you're returning, I appreciate your loyalty and if you are listening, please take a moment to snap this on your screenshots and share it on Instagram. Share it to your social media pages. Make sure you tag me at underscore Eddie Mac. That's E double D I E M A C. So let's get to the show. You're listening to the second installment of a two-part series for episode number 15. If you haven't listened to part one, I suggest just taking a step back, listening to the story, and then you can kind of get an idea of where we're picking up from at this point. So episode 15 features Marlena uh, continuing her story. Marlena Moreno is uh, a media producer for conservation efforts worldwide. And in this second installment of episode 15, she explains the mission behind project conservation, what her expectations are for the organization's future, and she gives you an inside look at another woman's wildlife efforts and how Project Conservation, Marlena's company, uses her media skills to help promote these kinds of efforts that are not otherwise exposed to the world. We're also going to be welcoming her husband and partner in content creation. His name is Xander, super cool guy, and the two of them share with you some cool stories of fun, Um, some real close encounters of danger and aggravation that they've actually experienced in their seven-month, seven-country road trip in Africa. Now, if you're listening to this sometime in summer of 2018, you're pretty lucky because they're fresh off of coming back from their trip in July, and uh, they're telling you their story straight from their mouth, and it's really cool. You get an in-depth look at that. Now, if you have stuck with us through our two-part series, this second installment does get a little sensitive. Marlena shared actually on Instagram, and I'll quote her, This is definitely the realest I've ever been in an interview. So, for anyone interested in really getting to know me, now's your chance. So, sit back, relax, or drive to work, or jog, or walk the dog, or whatever it is that you do while you listen to podcasts. Enjoy the show, everybody. Let's welcome Marlena Moreno. Part two of Setting Stages with Eddie Mack. Let's go. Can you give us an explanation um, that kind of summarizes and or encompasses what Project Conservation does? Yeah. So um, I guess if my elevator (coughs) is... Project Conservation is a nonprofit media organization that focuses on small to medium-sized organizations um, and helps spread, you know, educate, spread, spread their helps educate wider audiences, spread, you know, their message, and helps create a call to action for you know people who are doing work on the front lines of conservation. So I look at Project Conservation, and I guess our mission is supporting people and projects on the front lines of conservation through media, mm-hmm. like, you know, through visual media. So for me, um, 
you know, I'm just for I, love, I mean, I love storytelling. I love filming. I love um, being able to interview people and like you know, and 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 find different ways of. I guess, sharing their story. And so I think, you know, nowadays with, again, with digital media, social media, like we're so lucky to have that platform. And it's a curse. Like I, like I, I love it. it and I hate it at the same time. Right. Mm-hmm. But I mean, nowadays you can reach such a wider audience. Like we were silly not to capitalize and take advantage of that for these people who are doing really amazing stuff. Awesome. Um, you know, so whether it be through, you know, mainly we focus on filmmaking and videos and videography and moving visual storytelling, but you know, even photography and all that like plays a huge role in conservation storytelling as well. So I think that, you know, that's really our focus is sort of bringing my goal with Project Conservation is it to be at a point where, like, I really want people who are like-minded, who are creative storytellers, photographers, videographers, who like wildlife, who, who love conservation or who are interested in that realm to have an opportunity to do it. Cause I didn't have it. Like I had to work, I had to shake my ass at the club so I could buy a ticket to go, do you know what I mean? Down to Peru to go film a project about primates. Like, so for me, it's like, I got how cool would it have been to have been an organization that I could apply for and, or an internship program or scholarship program that could have like helped me and taught me. Like I could have been so much further. I could have been helping so many other organizations or found you know, my real place in the conservation, you know, storytelling industry, mm-hmm. whatever. And so I really want project conservation. My biggest goal for it really is to create opportunities for other people cool. to, who are <laughs> storytellers and creatives to go out and, you know, use media as a tool to help these projects. Um, and so that's really what I want it to be like, don't get me wrong. I love going out and I love filmmaking and all that. Um, but one, it's a lot of work and it's exhausting and, and it's, 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 you know what I mean? Um, and there's so many amazing projects that I'm like, shit, if I could just multiply myself, everybody. yeah, you know, and give people this opportunity, especially young storytellers, especially people who might not have the opportunity to yes. travel resources, resources, mm-hmm. um, mentorship, um, skill sets. Like, you know what I mean? Like I would love to work or and, and another thing too, and not just take people from the States and implant them somewhere, which I think is important because they can be sort of, um, a bridge to their friends back home and they can, you know, help enlighten like their demographics and their groups of friends and and sort of be that voice about, you know, really important issues that are going on in the world. Um, not even just for them, but like also for when you travel, like people tend to overlook people in the local community. Like we think that like as an outsider, it's like outsiders have to go in and do conservation. Uh Like I really also want to empower people who this is their home. Like you know what I mean? Like, God, like imagine like being able to empower and teach, you know, young creative, you know, kids who are living in these biodiverse regions, like give, you know what I mean? Why do we have to come in and be the ones to tell me the storytellers? Like, what if that was something that, you know, we could find people who this is their land. This isn't a, no one's going to be more invested and probably, you know, be more in love with like their home than these, you know, than people who've grown up here. Like this is what, so for me, I think that that is a really big part of project conservation that I also really want to, um, build on and be able to give people in local communities opportunities to do it. You know, I think one of my favorite things on this last trip that Xander and I took, like, is we met people who they just wanted to like use our cameras and play with it. And like, when you put a camera in someone's hand, like it makes, you can't help but notice things that you maybe you wouldn't notice or you can't help but like you seek out a story, you seek out something to tell, you seek out something to share and then you're excited to share what you, what you capture. And I think that like, God, what a powerful tool could that be in the hands of people who are living in these amazing places and it can kind of change a lot of the way that wildlife and conservation is framed for a lot of people who are living in these like high human wildlife conflict areas. So that's like my big picture. That's a big picture. It's a very big picture and I don't know how the hell I'm going to <clears throat> It's a big picture. It's like one thing at a time. 
you know, but I think that's my big goal. And obviously being realistic about how I can make that happen financially, you know, and, and, and not forgetting to also nurture and work on things that can fund that like grant, you know, grant writing, all that's difficult. And there's not, and there aren't a lot of opportunities for sort of, um, media, digital storytelling, journalism is focused on conservation, Mm -hmm. um, in terms of funding. So it's like, you know, and the nonprofit world's hard. Like it's a lot of work and I'm just getting into it and I'm just learning a lot and I'm reading books and reading blogs and trying to like, you know, connect with people who are doing it. And like, I'll say that like funding as it is for all the projects that I try to support is hard, you know? And it's not like I have something where it's people, I can't like I mean, I suppose I could, you know, charge and like have a volunteer project and people pay to come. So I have to be really creative about how it's going to be funded. I think um, realistically, there are a couple of opportunities, you know, I'm working on a grant right now, um, but they're few and far in between. And that's really not going to get it to the, to where I want it to be and like the things that I want to do. So I'm trying to be, I am working on being creative about how I'm going to fund it. And um, that's probably my more immediate realistic stuff that I'm focusing on the next like six months is you're at a hundred miles a minute. It's crazy the things. I think I just my, my, my hangover finally went away. It's <laughs> you're getting out of it. No, that's, um, a, that's incredible. So I think that that's like where I, realistically, like yeah. Xander was the one who put it to me. He's like, babe, like you know, you you can't just keep working for free, and and or it's fine if you want to keep working for free, but like you can't keep spending all your money just for conservation. Like mm. you got to find a more reasonable way of like funding this. Like yeah. so, you know, I'm developing stuff now that I'm really excited about. And, and it's not, it doesn't take away from project conservation. They actually overlap quite well, quite well, um, in working on projects that can be a, I suppose, I suppose like the, the, the main foundation to help fund project conservation. Like I don't ever want to rely on anybody. That's the one thing I don't ever want to rely on anybody to like, um, you know what I mean? To wait around for handouts or whatever. I just want to like make it happen. It, hey, mm-hmm. hey, if it comes along later, great. And then we can do even more. It's amazing. Yes. Grow faster. Amazing. But yes. like, I'm not going to sit around and like think that that's going to, I'm just going to do it myself. Mm-hmm. I'm going to figure out a way to do it myself. So, you know, just, that's where I'm at. Yeah. I don't know. Awesome. Yeah. That's it. You, um, so you just got back. Like, yes. I want to say it's only been three, four weeks. That you've been back? I don't know. Like three, be I think. Yes. We got back, um, July 31st. Okay. Yeah. You were gone for seven months. We were. Yeah. In a completely different continent. Yeah. What was the purpose of that trip? It's a great question. I don't know. Now that I I can tell you what what I think it is now, Uh um, it was a learning experience for sure. I think more than anything, in hindsight, it was a learning experience Um, in a lot of different ways. It was a learning experience for Xander and myself and how we can work together. Um, It was a learning experience um, in terms of project conservation, in terms of... um, travel like even just figuring out like i think i touched on it earlier but like the idea i went out there thinking like oh i was going to be turning out content every week like i'm going to go do this and then i'm going to put something out i started my blog i started a travel blog right before we left and i kicked my ass to get it done and built it and spent all this time to build this website and do all the stuff and put up content and i was like oh, i'll travel What's blog the blog? while i'm there margon wild margon wild yeah. Um, so, um, so I was super excited about it thinking like, Oh, I'll do my travel blog and I'll update that. And then maybe down the line, it can, you know, generate some revenue and help fun stuff. And you know, that, and, and it's felt very much focused on like wildlife tourism and travel. And I obviously more well, it's very focused on like the type of travel that like, isn't a far cry from conservation. Mm-hmm. And actually for what it's worth, travel and conservation are very interlinked. Like travel is a huge asset for conservation. Like wildlife tourism is a big, 
factor in, you know, funding conservation projects. Like, mm-hmm. a lot of these national parks won't exist if tourism, you know what I mean? Conservation has to pay, you right. know what I mean? Like, someone's got to pay for it. So, um, it's, it is a, it's not like a far cry from um, conservation by any means. And it helps sort of, you know, when you go and you work on a project, you know, you, I pick a project conservation project. I, we base our travels mainly on like where we were going to go. Okay, cool. There's a really cool project here. They're down to work with us. They're down to let us come and spend a week there and film and tell, help tell their story. And then, you know, and then around that, you know, there's stuff we can do, you know, in the meantime, and like great stuff we can explore. We can also use in a commercial manner. Ah, so, right. you know what I mean? gotcha. so it wasn't like totally, you know, <clears> it wasn't just overlap. a one-sided thing. Yeah. It was, like, a lot over, of yeah, it was mindful of like, you know, and so the thing is, is, you know, a lot for us traveling, we were so lucky. Um, and the trip was, a, I mean, it started out like kind of, I mean, we were all over the place. We oh, yeah. weren't ever, we weren't planning on driving. Like the whole road trip thing uh-huh. was a total fluke. By the way, this is uh, all in Africa. Yeah, this is all in Africa. So we, <laughs> I don't think we even touched oh, on Oh, sorry. Yeah. Were. So we were in Africa yeah. for seven months and, um, we did seven countries, um, and drove, uh, we planned on being based in Cape Town. Um, Xander, so that, some fun facts about, well, we'll say me, but like my life, Xander, uh, Mahebi, he's from South Africa. So that's like a random side note, but yeah, also... I didn't notice the accent or anything, no. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> uh, so it's like it's, I think it's heavier now that we're back. Um, <laughs> his family, so his whole family's out there, so it was really cool, obviously, when we met. Hold yeah, on, I'm going to draw, Xander, can you come here for a second? <laughs> you have to be part of the show now. Yeah, come. <laughs> yeah, he's hobbling. <laughs> He's our camera guy. I'll sit in here. There you go. Come. Xander has done some incredible media work from um, for Project Conservation. Uh, Mark on Wild, the whole bit. Say hello to the audience of Setting Stages. Hi, everyone. Hi. Hi, <laughs> hi to the microphone. Yeah, there you go. I'm here purely to capitalize on your uh, accent, so go ahead and just talk. Just, <laughs> just, just talk. Just, just yeah. talk and talk. Say where you were I was born in a garage. No, I'm just kidding. Um, They're all great things start in a garage. Yeah. Exactly. No, I was, in, uh, I was born in Port Elizabeth, South Africa. Um, and lived there up till the age of 12. Uh, my mom got a job opportunity in the States. And then um, I just, uh, I've always had a romantic perspective of um, the US. Growing up watching Michael Jordan play, <laughs> New York City, the Big Apple, all that stuff. So going to the States was an easy transition for me. I thought it would be at least. And then um, it just hit you in the face. It's bigger. It's it's not necessarily better, mm-hmm. um, but that's every, everywhere. But yeah, I just uh, I had a passion for um, just getting to know the U.S. and it was an opportunity that presented itself, so I took it. And then um, the rest is history. I've been here twenty years now. Nice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Glad you never lost the accent. So you obviously have been a huge contributor to um, Marlena's project, and you guys huge. work in in partnership with one another in life and in work. So tell me about how did you how did you learn your skill sets to contribute in this way? Um, I went to uh, I also saw myself I was very influenced by my family as well. So I have very artistic family members who are painters, photographers, videographers, my aunt uh, Yonli, she shot a bunch of cool films. Mm. She took a trip out in the Amazon for six months, was on a river boat, mm. did amazing things. So she inspired me. Uh, my mom is a great writer. My dad is a, a preacher, so he's very passionate and deep. So uh, anyways, they influenced me, and I always saw myself as a creative. So I went to film school, um, got my degree um, in television, film, new media production, and never used it until I met this little one. So <laughs> she, uh, she inspired me to um, go back to my passion. and to I was working corporate American position for 10 years. 
and um, was let go of. I just needed a cameraman. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was let go of, which was a blessing in disguise. Um, it was on good terms, uh, nothing bad to say about the place, but um, it was just a transition. So then when I met her, I had just tried to immigrate my dad and my stepmom and brother uh, to the States. And um, what happened was, long story short, um, got in a bad motorcycle accident because of working three jobs at the time and just to sustain us and um, basically almost lost my leg. So I actually called her while I was laying on the pavement and Get called here. her and asked her, I said, babe, I don't know if I'm gonna keep my leg or not. She's like, what are you talking about? I was like, I'm laying here. Uh, I, remember, I was in LA. She was filming, yeah, yeah, on the freeway in LA. And then um, she rushed down, made it out in one piece eventually after a month of recovery uh, from surgery and then it's been two years now um, but yeah I just sent my family back and once I got through that kind of emotional roller coaster I realized that life is too short why wait till you're 65 with a little bit of savings if you can even reach that age um, and just do your follow your dreams now um, so we took the little bit of um, I did get a settlement we took the settlement and we set out to adventure and, and and live out our passions and figure out a way to work together um, that's yeah that was <laughs> no yeah, yeah. I, 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 he summed it up I mean, that's I think awesome it was you know we knew we were going to go to africa he wanted to see his family and all that stuff mm-hmm. but um and i when i wanted to be both wanted to go back but i think that the the trip culminated in being like let's go and like i really want to let's really do project conservation stuff like he he's from there he loves wildlife Cool. Um, and then his filmmaking background, and I was like, "Dude, like, we're meant to be, this man. Is, yeah, we're the stars, meant to be. Miss, the stars were aligned. Yeah, yeah I like that point, like the wildlife aspect. Yeah, growing so up. Someone that I married him. <laughs> yeah, growing up in South Africa, she uh, or not she, uh, nature just it's in it's in your back backyard. Sure. Less and less now. I was shocked going back home and just seeing how there's a mug and bean in which is. Our version of Stolas in South Africa, yeah, yeah, inside the Kruger National Park, yeah, which I grew very... up really loving because my grandmother on my mom's side, um, her mom, her great great grandfather was Paul Kruger, the first president of South Africa. Wow, and he uh, so he established that nature wild animal park, and it's it's beautiful, but it's also still changing. You can see the encroachment of people and stuff like that. Oh wow! So I felt just at home when we, her and I first met, we went on our first date and we were just laying out dream trips or locations. And, Africa. and That's we, just, awesome. we just realized that we, we did Cuba. That was the first trip. We did <laughs> India. That was the second trip. And now we, we did Africa. And overlanding is the way to do it in the sense of you get to not fly past these villages and people. You get to really inundate yourself with, um, with, with experiences that you wouldn't you okay. would just fly over. Yeah, you missed you missed the best parts. Like driving was our favorite part. And you drove across seven different countries in Africa too. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. seven the seven countries um, and seven months, and we took our time, but it was about what? twelve thousand miles of driving. Unbelievable. Yeah. But there are such other magical stories that would come up that where you're just like, we're, what we're doing is not that cool. Yeah, like um, you, you think like people <laughs> be like, oh, and, and I'm like, we ain't shit. <laughs> like the people that we. That's oh, nice. sorry. That's the, the people that we met. You know, the people you meet out there, you're like, what we're doing is like wussy shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Compared to the people Unreal. who are really doing stuff. So we, we, were, we were lucky. And I think that like I, 
the trip wouldn't have been what it was without without Xander. And I think that he it was a, it was a lot. We took on a lot more work than we expected. Like hmm. we thought it was gonna be, I thought it was gonna be a lot easier. Like I said, I thought <coughs> we were turn out content. And we were gonna be doing the stuff. Yes. Because we weren't planning. Like I said, we weren't planning on driving. Yeah. We were planning on having a home base, and then we were gonna fly places, do go do a project, come back, edit, so on and so forth. Um, and then that didn't that kind of blew up, and it didn't really work out. And then we were like, well, I guess we're gonna just we'll drive, we'll, we'll road trip this shit. And then when we started looking into renting a car, how much it was gonna cost us for the time we were there was so expensive. It was gonna be like $8,000 or something crazy. And we were like, what a waste. And then you give it back and uh-huh. we nothing. So then we actually decided. We found we, a great deal on a, on yeah, a beautiful a little landy. And um, it was just the opportunity that just presented itself. So we, we took it. We decked her out. Yeah. And we were like, worst uh, comes to worst, we, we can sell her, it. We named her Hetty. She named her Hetty, which After is my grandmother's grandmother. name. Yeah. That's Hetty uh, Kruger. So, um, yeah, she's still with us. She's at my sister's house. But, um, but yeah, she said it was, uh, it wouldn't have happened without me. That's not the truth at all. I think that wouldn't have happened without her influence. And you can just see her energy just on camera or through a microphone. You can hear it. But don't get me wrong on the road we wanted to there's a there's a road from from zambia up in zambia there's this road where you just there's nothing you're basically grooming your own road no there. kidding yeah and, uh, that was our craziest and time. so yeah we, we dubbed it the divorce road we wanted to kill each other yeah and but i mean you're crossing hippo croc infested rivers mm-hmm. you don't know what's lying beyond the cornfield ahead of you that's like, it's it's crazy yeah, yeah that was but i'm so glad we did that instead a, of flying because flying uh-huh. is like it, yeah. ch- it cheapens it like i think mm-hmm. it, it just flying in somewhere you go in you do your business and you leave i think uh-huh. you you you're only doing i think disservice to yourself yeah, you and don't also get the to community see, and you don't get to like you don't, you don't get invest to see, as much time mm-hmm. you don't get to see other people's footprints and you don't get to leave behind your own yeah in, in that sense and when i say that i mean like really understanding what people what what lifestyles are like there? Mm-hmm. Um, the, how to like connect with that um, and or interpret it and or learn from it. So for me, it's like, and then realizing how much how much of a benefit you have living in a first world country, and and how you can with such little time and money you can change another person's life. Like I still owe a, a, I'm indebted to a person who saved us. Our uh, call. She got us to our des- final destination um, in Zambia, and the, the the accelerator was backing up. Long story short, the mechanic there, sweetest guy, came over. Took him a week to figure out that it was a dirty sensor. Yeah. I can change his life by gifting him a two hundred fifty dollar um, computer system that can read Land Rovers because there's so many Land Rovers there. Uh-huh. There's only one other place that can do it, and they're a big big lodge. So for two hundred fifty dollars, I can change his whole business. Sure. So wow. I still need to send this to him, and I will do yeah, that. Do but this week. Um, yeah. yeah, that's great. Yeah. So I think yeah, I think that, like I'm so glad the trip turned out the way it did. Like at first yeah. it was stressful, and we were like, "What are we doing?" Yeah, you're saying you were all was, over the place. It, we were like, yeah. "What are we even like?" And then when plans didn't work out the way we had planned them, <laughs> you know what I mean? Sure. We anticipated. Huh, how funny how um, life works. Yeah. Mm. Um, I was I was really disheartened and I was pretty like you know I was I was I was yeah I was defeated in the sense of like what are we like like what are we even doing this isn't working like why are we even here yeah I'm drinking a lot Um, you know and I think that like and your expectations of what it's going to be and then not be and then and then being on the road did make it difficult for me to put out content and I think that was like the hardest thing that I had to come to terms with on this trip was 
I felt like, oh, I'm not doing what I set out to do. And I'm like, you know, I wasn't delivering what I expected myself to deliver. And so I think but once I got past that and I was like, Marlena, just be present, do what you need to do here. And then when you get home, you have all the time in the world to work on it. Uh-huh. You know, and that's sort of obviously what I'm doing now. But um, yeah, I think that's a lot of things like you, you mentioned it earlier, Eddie, um, like traveling and just basically trying to like understand what your place is and your purpose is sometimes you just got to kind of like go through the motions so that you don't forget to just live the experience you were you're kind of touching on that and that's so true like you get to you miss out on the actual being there and traveling there is when you try to produce absorb produce and continue that cycle it's like learning a routine while you're adventuring it's yeah it was just yeah and then you, and you just, you're not present and then you t- and then it's not yeah. fair for the people that you work with you i believe know? it i believe um, it but yeah we were it was, it was like i mean we we i think the second half was really focused on project conservation mm-hmm. and we did a lot of that stuff and i'm super excited to have been able to brought to have brought xander in on project conservation um because he brings a lot of stuff to the table that like i'm not good at um and i think like what for sure, he's he's much with he's much better with people. <laughs> um, no, but he's a much more poetic. Sales. He's a he's a sales. he's a sales guy. But like, um, no, he's a poetic. He's a very poetic person. Like, I'm more cut and dry in terms of like fact based stuff, and he's more he's a much more cinematic storyteller, mm-hmm. um, which I think is a really important part of visual storytelling for conservation. Um, I tend to be more like, well, we got to get the facts and the this right and the you know whatever. Got it. He's much more of a cinematic, so I think that he's gonna he's really helped bring that into project conservation. What I think is a huge, there's a balance but there's a huge, that comes with yeah, it. Yeah, but great. I think that that is gonna I think that will go over well. So I'm really excited to see how different the content project conservation's films are gonna be and work's gonna be this go around. Yeah. With his touch in it and like his footage mixed in with my footage. It'll be a very different feel than like what my stuff normally is, if that uh-huh. makes sense. So I'm excited to see how that goes. And um and he is and he's passionate about it. He doesn't let me lose my passion and why I'm doing project conservation. Sure. Yeah, lately I've, it, it's defeating and it's tiring and it's you know, you're kinda of like, why am I even doing this? And it's not like it's paying off really and I can't keep spending money on it. And he he's been very much like you know, reassuring in terms of like you're on the right path. And sometimes mm-hmm. you just need that, you know? It's good. It's yeah, that is it's great. It's good to find that balance. Yeah. I think I think we have a we have a good um yin and yang. So yeah. that's good. I can imagine there's a, a lot of content that can be documented in seven months in a different continent yes. across seven countries, yes. right? Yeah. Yes. And <clears throat> um I can I mean, being creatives, I'm sure there's a ton of things running through your mind about where you can distribute to that content and how it can portray whatever message you want to accomplish. What's one of your priorities with the content that you were able to capture? Yeah, I think, um, so I kind of going back to what I was saying earlier about I'm at this place where I think the priority is um, investing in the more commercial avenues okay. that can sustain project conservation realistically mm-hmm. in the long term. And so a lot of the content that we captured um, is going to be used more for commercial type of media in terms of like whether it be blog stuff, um, we're stock footage, like selling a lot of our stock footage. Um, so we'll be doing, you know, finding any ways to sort of like monetize our, you know, the footage and the, the clips that we have. Because um, we got some really great stuff, and we were gifted really amazing Very opportunities. Awesome. So being able to like use those, f- you know, for more of the commercial avenues of like marketing and all that, you know, again, blog focused, also selling, you know, your stock content sure. is, is great. Um, and then, you know, so that'll be that. And then obviously, of course, we're using a lot of the footage to tell these stories of these amazing projects 100%. that we work with, which is the prior, you know, the true priority. That could be the first thing. That is what I'm doing now. Like uh-huh. I'm, I'm editing all the project conservation stuff first. Like those, that is my priority in terms of 
turning around a timeline. Although mm-hmm. it's not like, you know, we're not being paid for this and whatnot. Like I want to give those back to those organizations so they can use them as soon as possible. Um, you know, and then the priority once we've done, done all that will be, okay, repurposing a lot of that content for more commercial stuff. Cool. So it's sort of cool. realistically where we're at with like these drives of footage, but it's a lot, like it's, it's hard. I was saying this to someone yesterday. Um, it's really hard to, I think he had a hard time coming back when we first got back with, you know, Africa missing just, it. Africa pulls you and he, sucks you. We just, just ordered. Really? He even yeah. ordered. He's like, I really want this. We ordered it on. We found this little <laughs> mini. Um, we have a little. Our Land Rover is a little 90 TD. TD. TD 590. Yeah. TDI 90. I'm getting it wrong. Ooh, girl. Girl? What is it? It's a. What is it's a, it's a 2001 uh, TD 590. So, so it's, a, it's a. Yeah, it's this. He found a little mini one. He ordered um, it. So he like, puts it up there. Cool. So like he was a very. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, there's a sentimental. Yeah. Aspect, that's also, for it's sure. like my. It's my little. It's my little. <clears throat> Drive. I look at it. and I'm just like, okay. We need to go back. We're going back. Yeah, like that's waiting. that's like she's our. She's waiting for us. She's she's there and she's just waiting for us. And she's been so good to us. But going back to what she was saying about the for for me to sum it up on a uh, on what we're doing with the footage right now is this isn't even Africa hot. Like yeah, you're, yeah. you're fine. <laughs> we're in a tent. Yeah. It's it's we're fanning ourselves. We're fanning ourselves in this room. <laughs> but no, for me it's. The nonprofit stuff is is truly the fulfilling part, like gifting gifting back nonprofits the ability to spread their uh, message um, and do it in a creative way that in a unique way that I think Project Conservation can do it and with her talent behind the editing uh, booth basically is is amazing. Um, so, but gifting that back is our passion. But I realize on this trip, and we realize on this trip. We, we, she never begs for anything. She never asks for favors. She, that's that's who Marlene is. She does she does things her own way. She's like you. She'll learn something on her own. Like you learn your thing on your own. She's learned everything she did. I went to film school. I didn't use it. She learned everything editing behind it's just doing it. So she never asked for funding for our projects. She never requests that. So we were thinking about like government grants, and now that it's a five hundred one three C, like she can apply for this and right. we can get tax write offs and all this stuff. But we realize that that stress of begging for money. I don't ever want to be in this position. I want to. We want to have something that feeds our passion. And we met an amazing preacher guy in Zimbabwe who showed us his little business plan That's great. and he showed you that you have to allocate your assets and like refinance yourself and have something that, that supports your passion. Uh. It doesn't have to be exactly or exemplify your passion visibly, but it can be on the, on the deeper inside. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's funneling uh, your passions or funding your passions, as I say. So that, that to me is the ultimate is having something ourselves where it's our own entity that supports our passions. A selfish little thing that I want to do is I want to create a coffee table book with some pretty pictures. Cool. And, yeah. <clears> that's so stuff. selfish yeah. of you. And, yeah. and, <laughs> and I bet he's going to give some other proceeds to project conservation, right? Oh, I, yes, gonna, I am. Whether he does or not. I'm going to take it I don't care about the right. I just I want <laughs> to be able I want to send this this coffee table book back to all, to the, all the people that, that we've met. Oh, that's wonderful. And, and then also cool. to friends here in the States. And yeah, that'd be cool. That's solid. Uh, so one of the things that you mentioned, Marlena, was that you had a passion for primates. Mm-hmm. So when you were in, in Africa for the seven months stint that you were with Xander out there, um, did you get an opportunity to kind of get involved with primates while you were there? Yeah. How? Yeah. So selfishly, I seek out. No, I'm just kidding. Selfishly, <laughs> I seek out projects specifically with primates. No. But um, we did. So I uh, probably one of the coolest experiences and or coolest projects I've ever come across um, is Free to be Wild in Zimbabwe. 
It is, uh, it was founded and is now run by this young woman named Bay Piggers. Shout out, girl, what's up? <laughs> um, she is 26 years old. So she started this when she was 23. She basically was on a safari in Zimbabwe one day and she was, when she was 22, came across a troop of baboons um, that had been shot and killed. So something that a lot of people don't know is baboons and some monkey species like vervets especially, they're really persecuted in a lot of countries in Africa because they're so prevalent. Um, and obviously with, as human population grows, we take a lot of that wild wild spaces away. You know, we encroach on their, you know, on their environment, on their home. And inevitably you're gonna get a lot of human wildlife conflict, right? And so these monkeys are they're cheeky, they're smart, so there is a lot of, and in, in place, certain places, like in Zimbabwe, it's, you're, it's legal to shoot them because they're considered pests, they're considered vermin, oh, wow. so, uh -huh. um, which is crazy and sad to think about it because these are, you know, highly intelligent, highly social animals, and it's terribly sad, especially when you spent time with them. So um, we, by freak of nature, we didn't have a, we had one project lined up in Zimbabwe, and then we just, we heard about this one, this project through a friend of a friend, and she's like, my daughter has this primate sanctuary, check it out. And I'm like, okay, whatever, you know, we'll see. So I looked at it and I was like, oh my God, what she's doing is actually like legit and amazing. Oh, cool. And so we reached out to her and she was floored to be like, oh my God, please come see what I'm doing. Like I'm, you know, she's new, she's just starting. And we go and I hear her story and it's, I was like blown away. I was blown away by like, here's this girl who started, she started, she literally started Zimbabwe's first and only rescue and rehabilitation center for for primates, for baboons, focused Whoa. on that. And she's 26 years old. She started this when she was 23. And I'm like, uh, well, first, well, from, I was like, I ain't shit. <laughs> Compared to this girl, I was like, she is so cool. That's and cool. like legit, but it was, it's, so it's stories like that, you know, and she's yeah. just getting started. And I mean, don't get me wrong. She's now rescued and rehabilitated hundreds of animals. And she's, you know, from one, this one baboon, it was just because there was nowhere for it to go. She rescued this baboon. There was nowhere for her to take it. She was looking around Zimbabwe for a sanctuary to take it. There was nothing. And so she literally, her story is she sold her car and she started the sanctuary. And I'm like, wow. damn. So it's it's people like that, really, at the end of the day, that project conservation, that's who it's about. Got it. It's I'm the, really connecting the dots now. Yeah. Okay. It's, it's, it's the people like that that I've met that I'm like, they're doing shit that nobody would hear about. Unreal. Like, you know, I was doing yeah. research and looking for cool organizations and I didn't even hear about this until a fluke of one person, you know, connects these dots for me and then I hear about the project and research it, but I'm like, people need to know what she's doing, especially like young women, especially young women who are maybe interested in conservation or uh -huh. wildlife industry. Because I will say the, the wildlife industry or the conservation world is pr pretty male dominated. You know, the science, you know, whether from like the science perspective or like, f you know, field research guiding, it is a very male dominated industry. Sure. So to see a young woman like take initiative like that and, and really like be her own trailblazer in the conservation world, um, was so inspiring to me. And so it's stories like that, that really I want to focus for project conservation, cool. you know, small to medium. She's, you know, just getting started. Like she's not going to pay some organization to come in and like make these films about what she's doing and help tell her story. But like shit, I can come in and gift that to her because I believe in what she's doing and she really is making a difference. Mm. Um, so that was probably one of the coolest experiences in terms of like project conservation and stumbling upon that story out of nowhere. Like it was sort of just fell on our lap and it ended up being like one of my favorite stories. I think it's really going to resonate with my audience. Um, my like personal, you know, my audience and resonate with project conservation's audience. Yeah. And I think it's going to reach out to a lot of, um, I think it'll, it'll go over well with demographics that I really want to, communicate with yeah project conservation which well you like obviously young. were t totally yeah. into primates and the fact that this was yeah. right up your alley yeah so okay so i'll tell you <clears> this totally lit that fire and obviously and i just told xander too you know when we were going and i know it's a lot of work and i'm making you get up every day at five and <laughs> it's all this work but i mean you shit we were spending our days like playing with 
orphan baby baboons, like going through, running through mm. the bush. And, the, you know, she does a lot of um, enrichment activities with them, teaching them how to be wild because none of them had, sorry, my mouth is very dry. You're fine. Um, mm. You know, we grew up with mothers. So um, she's, you know, rehabilitating a lot of these animals to one day be re- released into a, like a predator-free release zone um, to release them back into the wild so they don't have to spend their lives in cages. And, you know, we got to go and be a part of that process. And so, of course, it's like, for me, it's stuff like that. Like it, do- it does make it worth it. I know I said earlier, like, oh, I don't make any money. And it's like, it, sometimes it is, just, you know, especially right now in the post-production, sitting in front of my computer, you know, 10, 12 hours, 15 mm-hmm. hours sometimes a day. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, oh, my God, it's a lot of work that I'm just doing for nothing, you know, for nothing. But then, like, I watch this video and I think back to the times when I was there. And, like, dude, we were, like, helping raise baby orphan baboons. Like, you know, or, you know, spending that, <clears throat> right? But spending time with them. We were out yes. in the bush. Like, well, I mean, dude, there was a zebra who would just come into the house, like, Adam in the kitchen, like if you watch my Instagram yeah. story, like it was just you. So of course, like I'm rewarded in so many ways, like with the people that I meet, with the animals that I get to like get close to and spend time with and learn about and their stories and like you know. So of course I'm rewarded. You know, maybe it's not tangible or, or financial, you know, like that. But like shit, like I, I get a lot from it, and I definitely, you know, get reminded of that when I watch back a lot of footage I'm, I'm working on and Xander reminded me a lot a lot of that on the trip. So anyways, I just wanted to throw the Bay story out because that's cool. she's legit and that's, that's a project cool. I'm currently working on and I'm really excited about it. I'm glad story. I asked the question. Thank then. you. Okay, sorry. So, anyways, <laughs> no. so I know you had more fun questions. <coughs> yeah, just, actually. That boozled you. Uh, no pun intended? Yeah. <laughs> um, so, okay. Seven months in Africa. Mm. Crazy footage. Driving through rivers, lakes, yeah. with all kinds of wildlife around yeah. you. Sometimes sleeping with liter- literally zero light. Mm-hmm. I can only imagine the kind of things that you guys ran into. What is, what's the craziest story that you have with wildlife while out, while you're out there? Ooh. Would you say it's was it um, camp? Serengeti camp. Serengeti. Okay, so <laughs> hands down, right. Serengeti was legit. Probably our if outside of project conservation, so if we were just doing like talking specifically travel and wildlife experiences sure. and on the tourism side of it, Serengeti was mind blowing. Like that was a dream of mine to see the wild, the Great Migration and all that was amazing. But specific, we so we camped our first four nights in Serengeti, four nights, three nights, four nights, um, and we so the Serengeti is like you camp in the wild, like you, any other place like Kruger, other parks, you, you you camp, but it's you're in a fenced area, like there's guards. Serengeti is like they're like. Nope, knock yourself out. Like, go camp. You know what I mean? So you're yeah. out in the bush. Like, there's no guards. Oh, there's no wow. nothing. So our first... Was our first night? And I'm not a wuss. Like, I'm pretty, like... I'm pretty, like, tough. You're down. I'm so down. Yeah. But... She slept with lions. Yeah, so our first <laughs> night... Yeah, oh, that was crazy. But that's a different trip. Um, our first night, we're sleeping, and all of a sudden, we're alone with this little camp area. We hear hyenas. And I'm like, in high and tight, hyenas are terrified of humans, so it's like I wasn't worried. There. And we have a rooftop tent, so we were safe and all that. But we hear and they come into camp, and there is um, a place where you can put trap. Like there's like a trash thing, and it's like locked in there, and they're ravaging, trying to get in there. And it sounded like they what did were. They sound like I can't make the sound. Do it. They sound like they literally sound like. <laughs> is that horrible? <laughs> that's, that's, the promo real. that's the promo reel for <laughs> sure. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're like making the face. Gail's like, what the hell okay. are you doing there? Sorry, anyways, that's what they sound like. I'm I don't sorry. even have to go to Africa that's, anymore. That's my take on it. Okay, I'm really great with impressions, obviously. Oh, that's good. So that's what they sound 
<laughs> like, okay? And they're like, I was like, oh my God, someone's dying. Like, someone's dying, something's dying, like they're killing something. It was horrible. And this went on for like 20 minutes. And I was like, oh my God, oh my God, I was terrified. Crazy. Then, but they're like <clears throat> circling. But and th- first there was one, then there was two, and then there was like six of them just circling around. And we actually have footage, but it was dark, so I don't think you can see it. That, and then a freaking lion, you hear it from the distance. I can do the lion, do the lion. He's really good. Do it. Mm-hmm. Get so you hear that and I was like oh shit oh hell no oh, oh hell no she's about to go down oh. at the camp so then yeah so then the lion comes into camp two lions come into camp and that was freaky and then all, obviously that's the hyenas went away and then they came into our camp um, and then the next day we woke up and we saw the tracks around our car um, I would say that was probably like most intense looking back I'm like oh it's so fun and it was such a cool thing in the moment I was scared shitless like huh. scared shitless and then of course they're not going to come into your tent I've actually had a worse tent experience experience with a lion because I was about myself uh-huh. Lisa had him with me and we were you know on the rooftop tent and whatever but you think again like you say it now and it doesn't really do it justice there in that moment like wildlife is like in the wild wildlife like if you're in their territory like you feel it you know oh, how wow. you know how insignificant you are you know like you know that they're the boss like it's 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 different to see animals you know in a, in a very confined space or you know you see them at the zoo whatever and it's and and I think one thing we get we've become very like desensitized to the fact that these are wild animals like this is like their this is their world like and you know what I mean and I think you you see it on social media and all these horrible places I'm saying horrible because I that promote like petting baby lions and playing with tigers and whatever mm-hmm. and and it take it sort of it changes people's minds you know and it, 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 it definitely makes you think that like they're not scary yeah. and they're not like everything's wild and mm. it's everything's a zoo mm-hmm. and it's like we're in control of that and like we can dictate totally. no like you were there and you're like they're the boss like uh, and I love and I it was scared shitless in yeah. the moment but I love that I'm like yes you're right like I'm here and thank you for letting me be here gotcha and that gotcha. was dope so that was like our probably our like the hippo too. coolest the hippo going back to tent oh yeah and then there was a hippo when we were in South Luangwa um, this isn't the hippo whole story, which is, that's a funny story, which we, if you want to tell you. Um, in South Luanga, there was a hippo that would come every night right behind our tent and just graze. And hippos, I don't know if people know this, hippos are actually the n- number one killer of people in Africa. Like, more deaths by, of, of human beings are caused by hippos than any other animal. You might think it'd be a pred- like a predator. Yeah. Hippos are extremely dangerous. Um, and they're territorial, and they will F you up. So, literally, we're in this little, we're in a, in a tent, um, and we were, this is a ground tent. We were in a ground tent in South Luanga in Zambia. And every night there was this like this resident hippo. He would just come right behind our tent. And I was like, oh my god! And I was trying to do research. Like the next day, I'm like, can they like run into our? Like, you know, uh, are they something that t- do they? T- will t- they see the over. tent as like you know a no go zone? Because uh, like lions, they aren't going to mess with you know lions and whatnot. But I was like, I don't know. Our hippos are different. Like, well, they're going to run in my tent if they hear us moving or whatever. Right. The hippo was also again first night was super scary. And then after a while, you're like, oh, well, we almost so. walked right in front. Of, walked right into. Oh yeah, we almost we were walking back to our tent, and I was like, oh shit, hippo. No like, way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're that terrified. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, because you know, I mean, yeah, it was, you go there. And I mean, even like on your first, I mean, guys, anyone will tell you like hippos and you don't mess with hippos. I would rather walk, I would rather see a lion or a predator, honestly, than see a, a hippo. Like no a hippo. Yeah, no. hippos are, yeah, hippos are no joke. So we saw it and I was like, oh my God, we almost walked into it. And then we, you're right. And then we went into the tent and then turns out he's like the resident hippo and he he eats right next to our tent. So we had this little hippo show every night How just fun. outside of our tent, just <laughs> wait for him to come by. Yeah. Um, oh my the hippo, god! Yeah, the hippo. The hippo was pretty cool. Good call. Wait, so what's this? What's the hippo hole? Well, it's like I don't know. Are we? Are you want to talk about like? <laughs> I'm gonna wait until you ask the question. <laughs> oh really? No, but like, it's kind of a weird segue. Well, because I just heard. Okay. I, I just so, heard. so so that so we had 
obviously there's great wildlife experiences. Our craziest drive, I think, was he, he's touched on it, the drive from North Luanga to South Luanga uh -huh. um, in um, Zambia. Because it was just really remote. We were the first people to, we were the first tourists to enter North Luanga Park for the season. So they hadn't, like, dealt with any of, like, the water damage from all, like, the, you know, the, the roadway. It was just, it was, it was a mess. We got lost. It was crazy. Everything was on fire, literally. Um, and we got to a point where there was a river, right? Like, I think I said in my, in my Instagram story, I show a lot of the behind-the-scenes stuff, but there was a river. <laughs> and we weren't sure if we could go through it. So, like, okay. we were getting out, and we were terrified. We were like, do we do it? Do we not? Like, we didn't want to turn back, like, three hours. We're like, what do we do? Um, not a river, but there was, like, a, a ravine, and it was totally overflowed with, you know, with, wa with water from the rains. And so Xander's, like, testing it with, like, whenever. So, so we're there for a while. So, like, yeah. we, and, and, like, I'm going to say we both, because if I'm going to embarrass myself, I'm going to bring your, bring your ass in. Like, <laughs> we, we both have to, like, go number two. Like, we're, like, I'm, like we both have to take a shit. Oh, like, shoot. it's just, like, you know, peeing, like, I pee every five seconds. I'm, like, I have no problem. I'll pee on the side of the road. I'll go anywhere. I don't care. Peeing, whatever. But I'm, like, oh, no. Like, this is, like, serious. Like, I gotta go. Like, I can't hold it. Like, you know, we've been eating big beans. Like, that's what we live off of in Africa. So I really have to go number two. And he did two. And I was, like, and we're stuck at this river. I'm, like, what if we're not gonna cross? Like, I don't know what we're gonna do. Like, there's nowhere to go. And I was, like, I gotta go. Like, I gotta go. There's nothing to do. And so there's hippo holes everywhere. So you go hippos, like, they're, you know, and they have very large, you know, feet. So they oh, make these okay. indentions. Got it, got so it's, like, its own little like porta potty toilet. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm there and we're there and I'm like because he's still trying to figure out the water and I was like I literally can't wait we're there for 45 minutes I was like I gotta go I gotta go so I was like that's it and again going back to hippos being very dangerous you know you gotta like look around because they're you know they're in the water they could be in the bushes yeah whatever. and you said territorial uh, yeah, so that's very, yeah. so deal. I'm like oh my god I gotta go I gotta go and I see this hippo hole and I'm like I'm just gonna go in the hippo hole fine I'm gonna go to the hippo hole. So then Xander's like looking at so he gets out of the car and I'm like, of course, you know what I mean? I'm like, you can't stand around. Like, my thing is like obviously we got very close on this trip and we already were and you know, whatever, but I was like, no, that's the one thing. Uh-uh, uh-uh, so one thing I'm keeping to myself, honey. Oh, no. And so he gets out and I'm going. And so he's like scouting, you know, to make sure everything's safe. And he looks over right when I'm like going. This is TMI. This is so TMI. <laughs> this is great. Going. And I'm like, no. And he like literally is watching me like poop into this hippo hole. And I was like, honestly, he's coming out. Fucking hippo, where are you? Just come coming out. I was like mortified. I like can't. Like, that's fine. That's it. So that's the story. We'll never get closer than that. After there was no romance. No, I'm just kidding. I killed the romance in our entire relationship. The day I die. Yeah. Yeah. So Changed the dynamic forever. So now it's like our hippo hole story. Hippo I love hole. Her more now. Yeah. Hippo oh. hole story. So yeah, I mean, Africa will do it to you. Again. Like that's maybe, so yeah. Fun. So you want to test your relationship, go to Africa because yeah, hippo hole. So now I'll never look at a hippo or a hippo hole print the same. Oh, man. Anyways, that's a hippo hole story. So it's an inside <laughs> joke between us, and we've only told a few people, but now people will not. So well, there you go. now I know how to survive yeah, from there out you go. there. And then hey, you, you got Number go, two, yeah, yeah, look yeah, for the hippo yeah, holes. Exactly. Look for a hippo hole. It's already dug. It's good. It's sorted. Unreal. Lord, <laughs> anyway, so that was that. Um, but yeah, I think, I don't know, what other, what other, do you mean, are there, like, what other specific to ask oh, Gosh, I know. That's good. Something. I know. Yeah, I know. You're good. That was a lot of fun. It feels so much better that the air. I agree. Um, you know, okay, so we're kind of, I think I, I'm at a good place right yeah, now. Yeah, okay. When you look back, okay, because such huge things have happened already in yeah. the last, you know, seven months, and that's a culmination of a lot of work that, ha that you had put in previously, learning how to, um, to film and edit all of that stuff, and then turning that passion of yours into something that you can kind of create mm -hmm. on a regular basis. When you look back at, let's just say five, maybe even ten years of your life, mm -hmm. what is one of the greatest moments that you think have contributed to what you're doing now? Oh, um, that is so hard. That's yeah. so hard because there's so many things and there's so many, 
not even just like experiences, but there are so many people hmm. that I think back to um, and experience experiences and and and. But I mean, I think innately my one of my, my answer wants to be like you know achieving something or getting something or you know like I want to be like Nat Geo or hmm. or um, you know like. Forbes just did this little thing on, you know, I had a little Forbes article come out. Like, I want to, like, say those, you know, talking about my work with Project Conservation. And, like, I want to say these types of things that are a, with for lack of, like, a, a more, you know, way of saying it, like, a pat on the back. You're kind of like, oh, sure. like you're, you're yeah, what's the accolade that you're proud of? And, yeah. So, but, like, realistically, like, it's not, it's definitely not probably any of those things. I would say... Like looking back, like the the question you we want to like the one thing that like really stands out in terms sure, of like yeah yeah um, <clears throat> it would it would be it would be that first trip it would be yeah it mm. would be yeah it would be the first trip because I don't think had it ever had the stars not all aligned the exact way that they did on that exact trip um, I don't know if you're gonna pick that up but yeah had had the stars not aligned on you know on that trip the way that they did um, you know maybe had I not taken a camera with me you know or or had I not pick that exact project, right? Had I not picked South Africa or whatever, I wouldn't be sitting here right now today, you mm-hmm. know? So I would say that that, <clears throat> yeah, so I would say that um, without a doubt, I would say with, without a doubt, that trip um, probably was the most significant, like, moment in my life in terms of, because it really was, like, it opened my eyes to a lot, like, to a much bigger world, um, but it really made me question my world all before that. And sort of, you know what I mean? Got it. Got it. Yeah, but like That's not powerful. Yeah, and like not like a <clears throat> I've wasted time, what am I doing? Because no. I don't regret anything that I've done. Yeah, you yeah. know, that I think you asked me a question when we spoke on the phone. You said, you know, if I could change anything, what would I do? And I was really trying to think of stuff. And, you know, sometimes I'm like, oh, I wish I never like went just like I wish I never got my MBA. I wish I would have started my I wish I would have done my degree in biology conservation biology, went to grad school for that earlier, uh-huh. and because I would like to have maybe even working on my PhD by now or be done with my PhD by now. You know, um, so I think about like like silly things like that, um, but again, like had I not done everything exactly the way I did it in in line in the patterns that I did it and at the time frame that I did it and the way that I did it, like I absolutely wouldn't. Something would be different today, yeah, you know, and yeah. like I wouldn't. <clears throat> good stuff, bad stuff, yeah, you know, all of it. I I I'm, I know it sounds really cliche and super corny, but I truly believe like everything had to have happened the way it happened and all the decisions I made, good, bad, stupid, you know, not so whatever. All of that had to have gone down for me to have like worked my way through like the exploration process of what it all meant. I think, um, and that really plays in well with what this, what my show kind of encompasses, which is you sometimes have to just allow for life to show itself to you. You know what I mean? And that's not to say that things should be handed to you, but I think as you go along with the experience, including all the times that you've tripped and fallen, or, um, you know, when you look back in retrospect, could you have changed that or adjusted your approach? Yes, you would have and probably could have, but should you have is the question. Probably not because you've learned yourself a little bit more. You've understood what it takes for you to kind of move on to the next project with a different approach, a, a clearer vision, so to speak, you know? Um, so I think I appreciate the fact that you acknowledge that those things could have been different. At the same time, the fact that they didn't go the way that you had planned, even in the, yeah, the way that they didn't go according to plan totally changed your perspective on the way you viewed it, viewed the next thing. Yeah. That's awesome. I mean, I think that's the only way, maybe that's just your way of reconciling with like where you are or not at in your life. Oh, you know? that's fair too. You know, that's like totally maybe that's fair. just way of yeah. making yourself feel better about the way everything's turned out. But yeah. I think that like, you know, realistic, yeah, I think 
yeah, you couldn't have said it, but I couldn't have said it better myself. Like in terms of, you know, cool. yeah, I, I really do believe like everything happened for like the way it happened for a reason. And I, I think, you know, I think if anything, like I do wish, like I, I was thinking, I think I was saying this to you yesterday. I had like a mini breakdown, not a breakdown, but I had, I was getting emotional about like thinking I've always felt like I've been good at a lot of things, but I've never felt like I've been great. Oh, I'm getting like emotional. I don't know why. Let it out I more. I think I'm so hungover. <laughs> um, I've never felt like I've been great at one thing. And I think if anything has ever kind of like eaten away at me the most over like a long period of time, it's, that's probably the one thing that I like find myself s- still not totally shaking. Um, but again, it goes back to like, I'm okay with that. Like, because if I wasn't great at like, no, if I wasn't good at a lot of things and I was only great at one thing, then like, Yes, it goes back to like everything I said from like the beginning of our conversation. I wouldn't have been able to have freelanced or like done all these real odd jobs. Like everything led to the next thing. Like, you know what I mean? Like having dance led me to doing chargers, which led me to like, you know, doing random things in the entertainment industry, which made money for me to do this. And then I went into hosting. And if I hadn't done hosting, maybe I wouldn't have gone to on a travel trip for like building my reel and then I wouldn't have, you know what I mean? All like it's, it's, you know what I mean? I think we all think in that way and we think like all the dots connected the way they were supposed to. But um, yeah, I think I, I'm definitely sometimes hard on myself about, ah, oh, but where would I be if I had like known this when I was 18, if I had mm-hmm. stuck with one thing? What if I had just focused on like becoming like a filmmaker or a documentary filmmaker? Would I have made my first feature length documentary by now? What, what if I had just knew, what if I had gone into conservation right from the get go, you know what I mean? Like what would I be doing by now, you know? So I think about all that stuff, or had I not done any of that, I stuck with like entertainment, and then I, you know, was had a really cool project, and I was had a platform, and I was making money, and I could use that to now do something. Like, there, you could have done things so differently, so many ways, and sometimes I like do wish that I was like great at one thing, because maybe things would happen faster, um, you know, or, you know, but it's okay, like, and I, it is okay. Like I'm totally okay with like Good. it's gonna take. It's taking me. It's taking me lo- a lot. It's taken me a lot longer because I have done so many different things and and you know what I mean. I've had to sort of start over a lot and sort of figure out how the the dots connect as I go. And I think that sometimes I'm like, oh, but it's taking me. I'm like, you know, I'm 33, and like of course sometimes I'm like, oh shit, like I'm 33, like. <clears throat> I have to have a family soon. Like we, you know, like maybe I should have, should we buy a house? Or do I need to settle down? Do we need to like stick to one thing instead of like still being in this like, you know, I call it my research and development stage. Like I feel like I've been in research and development for ten years, and maybe if I just like stuck with one thing, I'd be in a different place. But like I don't want to be. There. Good. <laughs> Good. I don't know why. You, I'm crying. And, and <laughs> because it's scary. I think as part of it. Um, yeah. I, I I sometimes have my moments where I end up questioning like. Okay, to briefly touch on a piece of my sacrifices and such, um, you know, things had changed logistically for my family, um, and I had to move my work closer to home, and I had been doing that thing for so long and commuted for so long, and I, I, and I, I am. I've gone through the traditional corporate America route, and then I had to take a step down in order for me to move work closer to my family, and I have a family. That's my priority. It's my... I'm passionate about them as much as I'm passionate about the things that I love personally too. And that sacrifice of income and there's a sense of pride that comes into being a man um, and providing for your kids, your wife. And those things play a strong role at tugging away at those emotions. And what are you doing to contribute that? 
and here I am doing a podcast. And yet I've learned that making the sacrifice in income has given me an amount of time that can never be replaced with number one, my family. And then the second thing is myself and the things that I'm passionate about, which is learning about people through this show, you know, in casual conversation and then translating that story into something that's greater for somebody else to take. That's important to me. And I don't get paid a dime to do it. And I'm totally fine with that. But it's scary. I think about what does my wife think? I think about what do my, what do my parents think? You know, and, um, and, and I also have I had this really great conversation with a friend of mine, Milad, who is a photographer as well. <clears throat> and he um, brought to my attention when I had questioned these things in a conversation, he brought to my attention, if you continued that traditional route and just kind of continued hustling away and be a working man, where is the family man in all of this? Mm-hmm. What about your kids who are watching you and you're worried about how people are maybe forming their opinion about you pursuing this show? What about your kids? What will they learn in that you have pursued something that you're passionate about? As opposed to you just putting your head down and working and then coming home exhausted and barely seeing them brush their teeth. As opposed to you being there over the dinner table or when you leave for an afternoon because you have an interview for your podcast and they know it's for that reason, they get to know that you pursued your passion too. Um, So there's nothing wrong with being fearful of the situation, Mm -hmm. but also understand that you're being true to yourself. Yeah. And that's the important part. It is. You know? I think, yeah, yeah, you're right. And I think that at the end of the day, obviously trumps the insecurities and or the self-doubt that inevitably creep up when you're trying to, I suppose, make something from nothing and there isn't like a clear path and a clear way to do it. Um, Like there isn't like a handbook to, like even for you, it's like there's no handbook to sex. It's not like you can be like, someone can say, hey, you know, Eddie, do X, Y, Z, and you, you know, you're, you're going to have this podcast and it's going to be successful. And that's what, it's not like you can go to school for it, go apply, apply for a job for it. And then like, you know what I mean? And then you follow a formula. Like there's no formula to follow. Like you're, you're figuring out as you go. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I think that that's so amazing that you're doing it. And I think it is reassuring to see people creating something from nothing, you know, and figuring it out kind of as they go. And like, maybe it's going to take a little longer because you're having to like tug and pull from different strengths and experiences and, and all that to try and make something, you know, come of, you know, of all of that. But, um, yeah, it, it is reassuring to see that. But I think, yeah, like you said, at the end of the day, that was those fears and those insecurities. They, it's, it, that's trumped by like knowing that like you're being real and you're being true to yourself and like, you're not harboring something down because you're afraid to fail. Like, you're not holding back on something because you're afraid people are going to think or fail or, you know what I mean? Like, you really are, like, doing you. And I think that's that's dope. Thanks. A lot of people don't do that. Well, same to you. Same to Xander. You know? Yeah. That's great. Yeah. It's good. (laughs) It is good. It is a good thing. Because we have our own life ourselves. Just, like, one time. We have one chance at it. You know, I think that in our age, I think we're starting to kind of come to terms with that. And and you realize the mortality of our one chance at this. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I mean, you're worried about being 33. Imagine the person that's 53 still trying to. And and 53 is not that old. I mean, if you think about the grand scheme of our life, you you still got another 20 or 30 years after that, you know. So, like, what can come of that? And why not now when we are in our 30s trying to, you know. And and I think... Traveling's made it a little easier too. I think if I was trying to pursue something a little more 
home-based, I suppose I could say. Um, I think because what I want to do is I meet people from like so many different backgrounds and different cultures and, and who do things very different than we do it the way we do it in America. Mm -hmm. And I think that sometimes like if you just sort of exist in like the bubble of our world here, um, you know, that society tells us very specific things about what is successful and what isn't, where you should be at in certain lives. And I think that's changing. I definitely think that like, you know, women's roles and, and you know, in, in a lot of industries are changing. And I think that the way we perceive, you know, families and people are having children later and education's a big part of people's totally. lives now. And, you know, women in the workplace and all that. And I think that we're definitely not as like old school traditional, but we still really have you know, I mean, this this the stigma of you know you have to be at a certain place, have to have certain equity at a certain point, you have to like have kids at a certain point, like you know, and and I think that um, that's obviously you know difficult, but I think it's it's great to go and meet like-minded people who are not you know doing who are doing things differently and mm -hmm. aren't adhering to what we back home in America say like oh this is where you're supposed to be it's at, right. and it's 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 a little like. <clears throat> You know, I think if I probably, if I, if what I wanted to do kept me here and I was trying to, you know, do what I'm doing and for some reason it was in America, I think that I'd probably be a lot harder on myself yeah. and I'd probably feel a lot more pressure um, and probably cry even harder <laughs> um, <laughs> because I wouldn't see like a bigger picture and, Good. you know, and, and, cool. and I think I've been lucky to be, ex to have been exposed to people that, you know, are like, no girl, like it's okay. Let like, it be. Yeah. It's okay yeah. to not do stuff like the cookie cutter way. You know, and it's interesting you, exactly on that. There's all these predetermined time mm -hmm. posts or you know guideposts for mm -hmm. where you need to be in your life based on you know the previous generation really and I'm not trying to blame that it's no, just that course, how, yeah. do, how are we really interpreting that are yeah. we going to continue that cycle yeah. and is that really all it is yeah is that all we're left with and I, th I think that you going out on a limb figuratively and quite literally in some <laughs> situations right yeah. like you're you're doing what's what's important to your life at that moment, and um, and it's bigger than you. I think that that's really what's mm -hmm. super cool is that you are leaving your legacy, your your footprint, the figurative footprint that you're leaving is so positive, and it's beyond just Marlena. It's it's. Thanks, Eddie. There's more out there that you're that, that you're trying to put out. Thanks. So. That means a lot. Yeah, good. It means a lot, especially it, knowing like, you I need to know that for like ten hours. Yeah, like, no, I'm just kidding. No, no, I'm just kidding. shit, really like, though. Yeah, yeah. No, I, just, no, <laughs> no, but that does it, that means a lot, and I think we yeah. all need a little bit of reassurance once in yeah. a while. Like we're all human. Can I just add something? Yeah, please. She, the thing about her though is that she hasn't sold out. Like and that's why it's oh, taken shame, longer. Baby. It might take longer, but she's never sacrificed her integrity or her morals, her ethics, her upbringing, her pride. Um, all of that, her her body, for her passions like she. That's awesome. She managed to shake my ass at a club. <laughs> but again, like she never sold out. One of the questions that you sent me, like to you know, yeah, you said yeah. about what am I most proud of, and in my little when I was trying to like make notes and think about like what would I say, and I was like going back to like you know it's a tangible stuff at this, uh -huh. these moments. Uh -huh. uh, <clears throat> yeah, I I, I think. I hate to say, I, I, I agree with what Xander said, and if I had to say I was most proud of anything, it would be that, like, I do feel like I've kept it real in terms of, cool. like, I don't think that I've ever sold out, and I don't think, I don't feel like I've had to ever compromise, like, what I really believe in, um, and so I'm, and I'm really proud of that, because I think nowadays, especially in a day and age, so awesome. of, like, and, it's, and it's, I think, especially, like, and I hate talking about this, because it sounds very narcissistic or whatever, but... I think especially like having existed and worked in certain industries, um, it was, it could have been really easy to be tainted by a lot of that. Mm -hmm. And like, 
you know, I don't know. And I think that I always like stayed, I think it's like, you're not grounded if you say I'm grounded, but I feel like I've, I've managed to still stay for the most part, like, and maybe even more now than I was in like my twenties, like Marlena from Vista from the barn, mm. you know? Mm-hmm. And I would say that I'm pretty proud of that. Like, I don't feel like anything I've accomplished or done or what, you know, what people see on social media or like cool opportunities I've gotten, like none of that, like has ever really made me feel that I'm that special. And I think that like, I don't know. So I, I've, I've, ne- I've never like, I don't know. I guess I just, um, I don't know. I don't, I don't really know what I'm trying to say. I do, but it just feels weird saying it out loud. I, I just I, feel like it's, you know, I get it. Like I just want to remind you that this is your episode. So you're allowed no, to I know, say that. No, I know, but like, I, you know, I definitely think that like, I've kept a, a good head on my shoulders and I think that good. like, and I'm glad I did that. And I think I was very lucky to always have never been too immersed in any, you know, certain industry or whatever. Cause I was able to always like have something to sort of check myself. Yeah. Like I always was able to check myself reality check of like, you're not special. Like you're not that special. Like you're not, you know what I mean? Like you have to earn that. Like it's not, you know what I mean? I don't know. So I think for me, like, especially with like chargers and working in like the nightclub industry and then like working in entertainment or whatever, like I never got caught up in that. Like, I think I always still kept a really like one foot in a, in a more humble, maybe arena I tried to anyway and I never like put both feet in one I don't know that's okay yeah so okay I think we're, that's a really yeah. good place to okay. where we can wrap okay but um, last couple of questions yeah. for you um, in the next uh, actually in the immediate future do you have anything any uh, projects or Things that we should be aware of that you're up to. Yeah, <clears throat> let me just self-promote. Go, no, go, kidding. go. No, I'm kidding. Um, I'll make it quick. Uh, I think I think we covered. Like, obviously, project conservation is like an immediate priority in terms of like putting content out. So, like, I'm in mad, mad post-production mode right now. So, like, right. you're probably not going to see me. I'm like not going to be on social media. I'm not going out. I have no life. Um, but and I think really focusing on the revenue aspect of stuff. So I'm really obviously for the next six months, five to six months, um, I'm really going to try to work on the Marlon Wild brand. Um, and really focus on that and money-making avenues and things that we can sort of use as a as a benefit when we're traveling. So it's like it's nice to be able to go places and you know if you can do media trades and all that and you can have places to go and there that helps go. that helps that helps alleviate a lot of the pressure, the financial pressure of like making project conservation projects happen. Mm-hmm. You know if we can have you know we can go we can do a media trade here or we can go and do like a job a media job there for like the more commercial aspects and the Mark on Wild travel blog promotion whatever. And then, you know, you can use being there and those opportunities to go, hey, we're also going to go bang out this amazing project conservation project as well. So I think it's really focused on building up Margon Wild, my blog. Like, I was looking at it yesterday. I mean, God, like, I built it and then I, like, didn't touch it for, you know, put a few things out and then I didn't touch it for months. And so I'm like, oh, I want to, like, revamp that. So I am going to work on my blog a lot. I think that I really do want to use it as a platform to talk about, like, responsible tourism, um, wildlife tourism. I think that, like, Nowadays with social media, and I was guilty of it when I first started traveling and doing wildlife stuff, like social media can be really actually like detrimental to wildlife. It can have a really negative impact on places. And I think I really want to, it's great that you can go and post pretty pictures and, and, you know, and, and visit these places. But like, if we don't promote it responsibly and, and, and act responsible once we're in these places, like tra- tourism can actually have a really detrimental effect on like 
you know what I mean, on yep. the, the biodiversity in regions and places, and it can impact cultures and obviously, of course, the wildlife. So you have to be really smart about it. So I really want to use Margot Wild as a platform to promote, you know, the things that I love, but to like help people understand without being preachy. In a you know responsible I mean? manner. In a responsible way. Because mm-hmm. I think that like nowadays, like you go on, everyone's like posing with lions <coughs> and tigers and, you know, bears and, yeah, and yeah. whatever and doing that stuff and, and riding elephants and, and, you know, taking their bikini pictures with their elephants on the beach. And I'm like, no, don't do that. Um, yeah, so I think yeah. that like I want to try and um, create without like not putting anyone down because a lot of it's just education. Like you don't know. You don't know that's bad. And I want to create a space that is relatable to like, you know, a cool, fun, like I want to be able to relate to the people who watch the Kardashians, you know what I mean? Like, I want to be able to go after that crowd and like, be able to like have a Got conversation it. with those people uh-huh. and like sort of like bring in some conservation. I'm with you. Conservation yeah. cool. Like a, a mainstream yeah. approach, but with that, that underlying Yeah, a mainstream message. approach of like, you know, trying to like promote wildlife cool. conservation in, but to do it in like a fun, cool way and that's relatable to people. And that's so, Margon Wild? Yeah, so that's going to be my, my, my blog. That's sort of like the premise of like, I really just want to promote like, yeah. you know, like sustainable travel and, and even lifestyle too, like things that we do on a daily basis like that are important. I think there's a really great market for that um, and I think we need it. I think that we need that in social media. I think we don't need we don't need any more girls. And like, Xander always is <clears throat> like, oh, I need to post more. Like, honestly, you should post more sexy pictures. Like, that's what everyone wants to say. Like, whatever. He's always like, you know what I mean? And I'm like, yeah, I get it. But I'm like, going back to like, not wanting to sell out. Like, trust me. Like, I get frustrated sometimes when I see people who have like, get a lot, they're getting, you know, a lot of, um, whether it be followers or attention or, you know, opportunities and trades and they're partnering with these brands and sponsorships. I see that, you know what I mean? And I'm like, oh, if I would just like, be willing to do that or sell out a little bit. But I'm like, mm. and maybe in my younger years, I would have been more, but I really am like, I don't want, you know what I mean? Like that's, if it's going to take me longer, it's going to take me longer. That's fine. But like, respect, you know what I mean? Respect. It's more that's of like, cool. if it's, you know what I mean? I got it. You got to like, you got to use what you're, you know, yeah. use what you're working with or whatever. But I think that like, there's enough of that. Like we don't need enough. We don't, we don't need another fucking Instagram you know, you. travel blog <clears throat> model on the beach with, we don't need that anymore. Like, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, so I want to try and do something different again. It's not going to be popular. It's not going to get, you know, the most attention, but I think that there is a market for it. And I think that there's a way to monetize that. And I think that there is an audience that will be interested in it. They just, they just don't know yet. No, I, <laughs> I think that there's an audience somewhere out there that also feels the same way about not selling yourself out. Just, for those who are listening to just the audio um, of our discussion, Marlena is gorgeous. She's super pretty. There's a reason why she was an NFL cheerleader, et cetera, et cetera. And you can say all of those things, but I can just hear it in her voice. I can hear it in your voice, Marlena, where you don't, you don't want to give into that. And I think that there is, there are people out there that, that feel the same way about themselves. Um, probably know that they have the look on the surface, but there's something, there's substance there and there's something meaningful that they stand for too. And you are that voice now, um, quite literally through this podcast, but then also in, in just your efforts of trying to maintain and hold back from that, the Instagram attention and the, yeah, all I mean, of that. I think we all are a little guilty of it, you know, once in a while and you do what you gotta do. Yeah. Um, yeah. And maybe in my early, like I said, when you're younger and maybe it's like, cause I'm getting old. I'm so mm-hmm. old now, you know? Um, but I, I definitely, that's something that like, I don't want that to be Margot Wild. Like, I've, trust me, like it's, you know, I've talked about it with people and when Dan and I talk about it sometimes, he's like, no, I think you need to like sex it up a little more and respect that. Um, and I get, yeah, it probably would happen a lot faster, but like, I'm really particular about like, I know that I want this to be something I can do in 10, 20, 30 years from now. Like right I, I want to build like a sustainable brand. I don't want to build something that's based off of something that isn't important because it's going to go away. Mm. You know, there's, that's, there's always going to be a younger, prettier, whatever version of you. So like, if that's what you build your life off of, like, 
You know what I mean? Like, how far can you really go? Yeah. I hate to say that. That's effed up. But, like, you know. um, So, I think Marvin Wilde, yes. Like, really focusing on that once I get some of these project conservation projects, like, turn it, you know, turned around, edited, then it's going to be complete Marvin Wilde. Yeah. So, you'll probably see a ton of promoting my blog and all that in the coming months. Um, And then I'm working, I think the last thing I'll say is I am working on a, and it's probably the thing I'm most excited about. Go. Something I've been sitting on for four years (laughs) and I'm finally, it's coming to fruition. Um, I'm starting a, I I guess it would be like, it's a cause, it's a cause based company. Um, It's weird weird to actually think about doing products. I'm going to start selling products um, that, uh, I'm such, I've always done service stuff, so it's weird to do something like products and Uh tangible. I don't think about the market. Um, But I just really, I really want to create one, obviously a revenue stream, going back to project conservation, but a big part of conservation is the socioeconomic aspect of stuff. Got it. And, um, you know, I think that, you know, in a lot of my travels and a lot of the projects I've done, I can't help but ignore the community-based conservation aspect of a lot of efforts. And the thing is, is a lot of things that add to the global conservation crisis and a lot of, like, species decline and habitat degradation um, is because people just don't have opportunities. And they don't, you know what I mean? In, 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 in some of the most biodiverse, not even in some, the most biodiverse regions in on our planet with, like, you know, the greatest wildlife and the greatest abundance of, you know what I mean, these, these ecosystems that are so alive and important for, like, our survival as human beings have some of, like, there's some of the poorest countries with the highest birth rates and, you know, few, very few economic opportunities. And so what people don't a lot of times realize is like that and supporting those projects and those people and finding ways to create opportunities for young women, you know, in, in, in countries, um, you know, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's been researched time and time again that like when women have are educated, they're less likely to, you know, they're more likely to one, get a job and work mm-hmm. and have the opportunity and they're less likely to like, have children at a super young age wow. and then like and they're more likely to like contribute to their communities and and help you know their the people in their families flourish and the thing is is in a lot of places like there's just not opportunity and so what do you expect people to do they're going to live off the land but like you know what i mean you have these large corporations coming in and taking land and everything's parks now and a lot of these people who live in these buffer zones i'm not so right um and these buffer zones of um of uh thank you sorry oh you're God. good it's i see <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Um, uh, sorry, I'm kind of rambling, so I'm just going to figure out the best way to make this poignant because I could talk about it forever because I'm really into it. Go. Okay. No, I don't want to do that. Okay, don't go. Yeah. They, um, <laughs> let's talk about a poacher, for example. Okay. It's like, death to the poacher, right? Like, fucking, like, yeah. I hear you. Totally. But, like, sometimes you got to put yourself in these people's position and, and think of, like, okay, if I'm living in a remote village and there's no real mean, means of making money, right? So, like, I'm told I can't go into the national park, I can't do my, my, you know, my sustenance hunting, and I can't do this. Like, I'm, what opportunity is there for me? Like, a lot of people do, you know, they, they log. They go and they illegally log, and they cut down trees to, like, survive. Survive. Or they, you know, someone comes and offers them $300 to go kill a rhino. Like, that's $300. Like, that's more than... People, people are living on less than a dollar a day. Like, what do you expect people to do? Mm. And so... That's one aspect of it. And then another aspect is, you know, really creating economic opportunities for women in, in remote, you know, in, in remote villages where really there's not much else to do. It sounds really mean and condescending, but it's the truth. Like, there's not a lot of opportunity for women except for, like, you get married and you have babies. And, like, you have more babies and more babies. And you have now you have people living in these regions where it's like you have populations exploding and there's not enough resources to take care of everybody. So what do you expect to happen to like the natural lands and like the animals and the wildlife and the and the forests and the rainforests? And so it's really addressing that 
issue of being able to find a way of like, okay, so here I am from America, now we're living the day of social media and digital media and all this stuff. How can I sort of harness like the economic buying power, <clears throat> especially with like the day, day, day and age of social media and all that, uh-huh. how can I harness that and connect money to people in those villages? Like, you know what I mean? Because you can go and build a school and you can like set up, you know, you can give away free stuff, but like right. you're not giving people a sustainable way of like, you know, empowering themselves. And so I really want to find ways to like sort of, again, bring economic opportunities to like local communities. And so one way of doing that is, you know, as a travel, when you travel and you go and see all these places, like you come across people who are creating amazing stuff and you know, you buy it and whatever, but a lot of stuff, you know, it's like a lot of stuff you see in the tourism stores and whatever. So I've been looking for the right product, like the right, I don't say product, but I've been looking for the right Vehicle, we'll call it. I've been looking for the right vehicle to sort of test this business model out. That okay. Really do. Um, and I, you know, I thought, you know, jewelry, and it's been done a million times. Like, it's like, you know, handmade in this mm-hmm. place, and we sell it, and then we donate it, whatever. Uh-huh. So, but for me, it's less about the vehicle and the product, and it's more about the story behind everything. So, okay. I've been looking for the right thing that I can build a brand around um, that obviously, like, it'll be very much about wildlife conservation because people might think, like, oh, well, what is, you know, her, you know, making this thing and me buying it, what does that do with wildlife conservation? Uh-huh. Well, I want to use that as an opportunity to sort of <clears throat> connect all those dots and explain to people this, you know, really this complex how. thing of conservation, but how, you know, the human aspect of conservation is equally as important as like save the species stuff. Uh-huh. And so I really want people to be aware of that because I think that people, it would change people's, a lot of times, like I think it would change the way we behave as like travelers and the way we buy stuff. And so I've been looking for the right products and I finally found it. I've been mm. looking for this for four years. Like cool. I actually did this social business model as a project and when I was doing my MBA. Cool. I built this whole thing and I was all really right. excited about it. And I like, you know, and I built a whole whatever, designed it all. I have like a name for it. I started working on the website. I have a logo, everything. I'm super pumped. Um, and so now I'm like in like the phase of like dealing with the products and like getting them and then. I'm going to start selling them, cool. and then obviously I'm going to use that as a vehicle to help fund some project conservation yeah, stuff. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, when you buy these products, <clears throat> learn about, like, I'm gonna, of course, media is going to play a huge role in this because I want people, when you go, and uh, my our brand will be as much about, like, the things that we're selling, the products that we're selling, as it's going to be about the stories of the people who make them. I, mean, I really want to, you know, connect, like, connect those audiences with those people. So that's something I'm super excited about. So, you know, you'll buy it. I'm doing, per- I don't know what I said. I'm doing, I'm creating bags. Like, I'm creating these really okay. beautiful bags. Okay. Um, these really beautiful bags. I'm super excited about it. And um, they're, like, totally eco-friendly, vegan, all the stuff. I'm using, um, I've found really beautiful, um, they're, they're actually placemats. I found them when we were in Swaziland. Really, really beautiful placemats that are made from um, uh, grass. So, the grass, and they, they weave them. They're, they're right. stunning. They're stunning. But I'm using those to create... I'm putting two of them together and we're creating brown bags. bags. And I found, oh, cool. And I'm, whatever. So I'm doing this and when you get them, you'll hear one, one thing will be about the women who make it. And, uh-huh. you know, we're going to obviously be putting a lot of money back into like funding those organizations and helping these women like become their own entrepreneurs. Cool. Um, and then on the other side, you'll learn about the organizations that those, an area, I'm going to find organizations from the area that the products come from. Um, because I'm gonna make the bags in different brands from all over. Got it. Um, and you will get something on the back of oh, the project cool. Got it. that it, the funds donate to. <clears throat> so, like for example, um, right now we're finding the right women's group to work with in Uganda. So it's like you know the that'll be based in the Uganda line will be based for like putting money back into conservation in Uganda Solid. while also creating you know what I mean jobs there and and helping deal with that aspect of conservation. So, anyways, very complex. Sorry, it was like really. 
that's com- complicated no, that's, cool. but that's what I'm working on you can cut that part out if you want <laughs> no okay. <laughs> the end I swear um, I just I, I do very little cutting things out okay I, I really do okay. I, I love hearing what, what people really? have to say in their, like, in, oh in their God, words no you're so good <laughs> Um, that's why it's a two-part series. Okay, there you go. <laughs> Done. So anyways, I'm excited about cool. my Heart of Wild. That's what it's called. Heart of Wild. Heart I'm of Wild. I'm super excited. All I'm right. excited to buy the URL. <clears throat> Show's already done bought it. Ah, uh, nice. Uh, yeah, so Heart of Wild. Um, working out the details now, but like cool. it's it's there. And I've been thinking about it for years. I just haven't found the right thing that I think will be marketable. And I yeah. think I finally, and I think, I know I found it. And now I'm um, ready to go. Yeah, so cool. I'm excited because that's going to be a really cool thing to add to my 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 brand and I think that'll be a great vehicle to help bring some funding in to conservation. All right. I'm stoked. That's it. Marlena, thank you. Thanks, Eddie. Thank you for for I'm the for the time. So much. No, 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 no. Please don't apologize for the way that you No, okay. you obviously have a really strong passion for what it is that you do. So, I, let it rain, dude. Yeah. yeah. Let have, it rain, have at it. All right. Um, <clears throat> but I think that that um, really teaches me. Okay, so I was taking notes and you'd have to pardon me too. I, I I jumped on my phone while you were talking and I'm just, you know, taking some things down that just kind of struck me and one of the things that on a personal level, I think I have a better understanding of you. Really? I do. I think that our our, our friendship has been distant. Is it like, you know, yeah, of course, yeah. you know what I mean? It's just mm-hmm. we just don't cross paths often. Um, but I've only understood so much about you based on what I see via social or through sure. our mutual friendships yeah. and stuff like that. And now that I've heard the way that you speak about it, for one, mm-hmm. and then what what you stand for, like you are, you're very much true to yourself in what you're pursuing, and that's such an important message for my audience to understand that that if you're fully vested in this thing and you go all in, there is sacrifice behind it. There is, mm-hmm. <clears throat> it's it's more than just putting your heart into it. There's like there's there's the activity that's got, that goes behind it, um, the amount of research that you've had to get into, um, partnerships that you've had to build, and relationships that you'd have you'd have to kind of cultivate in order for you to pursue something as this is scale. This is huge. You know, this is the literally the world that you're after Hmm. to kind of save. And, you know, and that's to be able to elaborate on it. There's so much that goes into that, which is why I think that you speak the way that you do about it. And I respect that so much. Um, so I appreciate your time. No, I can't even appreciate We're, you I mean, and your platform and allowing me. And I'm sorry if anyone actually listened from start to finish. I thank you for giving me the time some and the cool space here. and the space. Like I like added yes, and the space, and the space. to um, <laughs> yeah to uh, yeah to do to yeah to, to be able to talk about this and like set my little stage for the audience members who have made it this far into our conversation how can they find you and contact you on social emails whatever you are willing to share Mm -hmm. drop Um, a line mm Send me a text message um so social media marlon wilde was taken on stuff i was very upset about it was it really yes i I wrote the girl and i was like yo girl can i buy it from you (laughs) she never wrote me back so i'm like whatever (laughs) um so instagram marlena moreno m-a-r-l-i-n-a M-O-R-E-N-O. I, like, changed my E to an I. It's a long story. Um, so Marlena Moreno. Um, Facebook, same. Like, I never... I'm not a big Facebooker. I'm trying... I'm going to invest more time in my Facebook. Um, I have a Facebook page for Morgan Wild, Morgan Wild Official. Okay. Um, but I'm, Mar- I'm pretty much Marlena Moreno across the board on all social media, except for Facebook. I have a... Facebook, like a personal one that I don't really yeah, add. But you're yeah, Margon Wild. Yeah, Margon Wild. I think it's yeah, Margon cool. Wild official. <clears throat> cool. Because I'm, I'm on the mailing not, list yeah. for Margon Wild. Oh my God, you? you can oh, also yeah. Yeah, you can go to margonwild.com, 
and get on my mailing list. Um, people who are on my mailing list are like, this, did this chick die? Like, why watch it? She just said nothing. No, um, so you, you pro- it'll be, give me like, yeah, about six weeks. In about like four to six weeks, like, get ready. Yeah. Like, I won't bombard cool. you, but yeah, like, get ready because yeah. like, uh, Margaret Wild is coming back. Like, it's coming back full force. Solid. So she just had to take a hibernation because I didn't create. So now it's, I'll show you what I've been doing the last seven months. I'm excited to show and tell. Right on. Yeah, so that's how you find me. Cool. And Dan, just because Xander got into it. Really yes, quick, yeah, let's, you can let's do that. find Xander on Instagram. He's really, he takes beautiful pictures. Um, Zand Rover. How clever is that? It is clever. Z A N, tell me if I'm wrong, D. Z A N D O V E R. Zand Rover, like Land Rover? Oh, Z A N D R O V E R. V-E-R. She's great at spelling. I'm great at spelling. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. Yeah, yeah Zan Rover. I'm a visual person, right? Uh, yeah, so Zan Rover, you can find him. Eddie, how can people find you? At underscore Eddie Mac. E D D I E M A C. Perfect. Cool. That's yeah. And I'm most active on Instagram and. I do have a Facebook page, but I don't promote that so much because I don't do enough on it. So yeah. I'm not going to do that right maybe, now. Maybe we'll maybe we'll focus on Facebook. Maybe That's we'll probably what it is. Facebook. That's yeah. Like, hey, have you done Facebook this week? Good call. We'll do that. <clears throat> we can help each other out. Accountability partners. I promote that a lot. Yeah, we'll do that. We, we all need one. We all need an accountability partner. Okay, done. All right. Well, um, thanks guys for listening. Appreciate it. Thank Eddie, you are you are you are a rock, a rock, a rock star. Marlena. Thank you for driving down. Oh yeah. What else? It was a party, and I'm sorry I was hungover. <laughs> we should have done this over beer. Yeah, right. Hair of the dog. Shoot. I should have. I had a Michelada or something. <laughs> Thank right. you, guys. Appreciate right. it. Cool. cool. Wow. So you made it through to the end with us. And dude, what a bogus technical difficulty I picked up with all that static. So if you're still listening, that means I didn't blow your eardrums off completely. Thank God. Okay, so I've known Marlena for so many years, but I admit that she and I hit a deeper level in our distant friendship. We never really kept in touch over the years. We just kind of, you know, kept in touch through social and everything, and this was a really great way for us to kind of reconnect, and I'd say that I've gained a better understanding of her heart as a person and just the mental fortitude of immersing herself into a trade that's just truly uncommon in most people's day-to-day. I really admire her drive, and I hope you were able to take something from our talk. Guys and gals, I also have so much appreciation for your time and ears on this show. If you think this show rocks, it'd be so cool if you could just share a screenshot on Instagram and blast it on social. Just screenshot it. It takes a few seconds, and it'll just help spread the word that you're enjoying a great show that I hope resonates um, you know, in, in some way shape or form with you. So thank you guys all for listening. Have a sensational, productive, and meaningful week. I will catch you all on the next episode of Setting Stages with Eddie Mack. Let's go.